Welcome to the Byesville Assembly of God podcast. We are a church of connection with God, with people, and our community. Join us each week for powerful messages from God's Word presented by our lead pastor, Dustin Dyke. And now, this week's message. In today's focus, we're going to be looking at how God fulfills His promises. Have you ever had a friend or family member not fulfill a promise that they made to you? Okay, it, that can be pretty devastating. It really can when someone doesn't fulfill a promise, especially if it was someone really close to us that promised something that we really needed. There was a pastor in Indiana named Ed Vasicek that told a story that goes as so. After an evening out, some parents returned home to their children, whom they had left with the babysitter. They went on a date. They were pleasantly surprised to find the kids fast asleep because typically it was kind of hard to get them to sleep. And so when the sitter had been paid, just as she was walking out the door, she communicated this detail to the parents. She said, oops, I am so sorry, I forgot to tell you, I promised Sammy that if he would stay in bed, you would buy him a pony in the morning. (laughs) And of course, you know, they weren't able to fulfill that promise, but the babysitter used this kind of as a plot scheme to get them, this kid to go to bed. It's funny now. But in all reality, there are many people who make promises just to get their way, and then they don't fulfill those promises. So how many of you know that we serve a God who fulfills all of His promises? He does. He does. Raise your hand in here if God has fulfilled a promise for you. Just throw your hand up in the air. Yeah, that's pretty much everybody here this morning. God is faithful. He really is. And there are some of us in this room, however, that are still waiting on a promise that God has made to you that still needs to be fulfilled. I hear you. It's hard in the waiting, but I hope you're encouraged to keep on trusting in God to fulfill that promise today because he's faithful and he's going to take care of you. If everyone in here knew the amazing promises of God that you read in the Bible, you'd realize that God promised many things in here, in the Bible, that he fulfilled. God did. You'd realize that he promised so many different things, and every one of those things he fulfilled. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. We're going to be reading out of the English Standard Version this morning. This is one of the famous scriptures that we see out of the Old Testament, one of the ones that you might see plastered across your, uh, your, your homes in different signs that you get and everything. This is a famous one. It says this, Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. He was speaking uh, to, uh, to Joshua here. And, of course, um, Joshua was succeeding Moses in this section of Scripture. And one of those things uh, is the idea that, uh, one of the promises that God gives us is that He will never leave us or forsake us. It says so right here. God is so good. Don't fear. Don't be in dread of people. He is the Lord your God. He is faithful. He's going to take care of you. And the word forsaken, He will not leave you or forsake you. The word forsake means abandoned or deserted. Abandoned or deserted. God hasn't left you alone, and He doesn't plan on doing so anytime soon. In just a minute, we're going to take a look into the Old Testament uh, even more so and recognize the fact that the birth of Jesus was prophesied about in the Old Testament, meaning that God spoke to people before Jesus was born and told them that Jesus was going to be born. He told them that a Savior was going to be born, and they wrote about it in the Bible. This is called prophecy. When God declares something to someone before it happens, 
is called prophecy. I want to mention that there's a huge difference between prediction and prophecy. Huge difference between prediction and prophecy. You know, it's predicted that we're going to get between three and nine inches of snow this upcoming Thursday and Friday. That's a prediction. We could get none, or we could get nine. We don't really know, because it's weather meteorologists that do a great job, that try and do their best to tell what's coming up, but it's a prediction, and we're not really sure until we get right up to the event whether or not that thing is actually going to happen. That's a prediction, but let's put the definition for prediction on the screen. Prediction is this, to declare or indicate in advance, to foretell on the basis, get this, of observation, experience, or scientific reason. This is prediction. To foretell on the basis of observation, experience, or scientific reason out of the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Now, let's take a look at prophecy out of Easton's Bible Dictionary. It says, the miracle of knowledge, a declaration or description or representation of something future beyond the power of human sagacity to foresee, discern, or conjecture. Lots of big words in there. But what I want to focus on is the miracle of knowledge to declare something in the future. The miracle of knowledge to declare something in the future. See, a prediction foretells something based specifically on observation, experience, or scientific reason. But a prophecy, here's the difference, is a miracle that only God can give you. It's prophecy. That in and of itself should show you the distinct difference. It's a miracle when God reveals himself something to someone and shows them something about the future. Now, don't get me wrong, this is not fortune-telling where we put our hands on some glass ball and, and sing a little tune and close our eyes and, and hum a chant. That's, that's not what we do. That's called demonic, satanic stuff that fortune-tellers do. What we do is we get close to the voice of God through reading this word called the Bible and through prayer. And sometimes God speaks things to us that are prophecies of things that are to come. It's a miracle. Okay? It's not a weird thing. And the difference is that you don't see prophets popping up in these different prophet shops where people can come in and get their prophecies. Because, you know, the difference between a prophecy and a demonic fortune teller is by the fact that a prophet isn't shouting from the rooftops that there's some prophet. True prophets point the attention to God rather on themselves. They're not going to open up prophet shops because that's not consistent with the Bible, and they don't want that sort of attention. And they can't just make a prophecy happen. God initiates prophecies when he wants to based on his will. That's just a side note on prophecy. But I wanted us to get the idea that there is a huge difference between prediction and prophesying, and what we see in the Bible is the miracle of prophecy. Not only has he fulfilled promises for you, but he's fulfilled promises for people that are described in the Bible, and we're going to take a look at a few of them today. Uh, we're going to jump now to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. We'll be in the English Standard Version once again. If you are techie and you have a device, you can follow along in the Version Bible app. Search our church's name in that section, and you will uh, find that we have notes in there that you can follow along with. Point number one is prophecies in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay, so in the book of Isaiah, it was, it was prophesied that a virgin would conceive and bear a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel. And, God, and that means God with us. This is a prophecy of the coming king, Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at another one, another prophecy here, Micah 
chapter 5, verse 2. Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, in the English Standard Version says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. A lot of big words in there with a deep meaning as you look into it. This tells us that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, and he would rule over Israel, and to add to this, he would reign with God over the universe. Praise God. Praise God. So with all of these prophecies and tons that Jesus was coming, we understand that a Savior was going to be born. That brings us to the fulfillment of this in Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And now, for the remainder of the message, we'll be hanging out in Luke chapter 2. This is what it says in verses 6 through 7. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, Mary to give birth. And she gave birth to, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So as we read last week, Jesus was born. We talked about this last week. This fulfilled a promise. Of course, the promises that we just read about. A Savior was born. A Savior was born. And now we have a Savior that we can trust in with our entire lives. But there are a few people I want to mention in this story. After Jesus was born... Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple for the purification that was required by the law. This brings us to Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 26, and it says this in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 and 26, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Not only did they have these Old Testament scriptures to see that the coming King Jesus would be born, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. And we have to recognize that in the Old Testament and also even in this section right before the Holy Spirit fell on the believers in Acts chapter 2, we got to recognize that the Holy Spirit only came upon certain people at a specific time for a specific purpose. Before Acts chapter 2 and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit fell on believers at a upon a specific people at a specific time for a specific purpose. This was the case with Simeon because the Holy Spirit had not yet come to the believers in Acts chapter 2. So it looks like Simeon fit the bill, so to speak, for the person that God wanted to speak to about the coming of Jesus. It had been revealed by the Holy Spirit to Simeon that he would see Jesus Christ before he died. So let's read in Luke chapter 2, verses 27 through 32. And it says, And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Point number two is Simeon's prophecy fulfilled. Simeon's prophecy fulfilled. Simeon was waiting on the Savior because the Holy Spirit revealed it to him that he would see him, and he finally did. Simeon was so overjoyed when he saw Jesus. <clears throat> see, when we've been waiting on 
a promise for years and years and years. Wouldn't you agree that it's difficult to continue to wait? To continue maybe to have hope that that, <clears throat> that, that promise is going to come. And I know many people right here in this congregation that know that God has promised them something. Whether that be that God will provide the finances for you that you need or that God might save that lost family member or that God will provide you housing that you need or whatever it is. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope today. We're in a season of Christmas and right now there is every reason to have hope. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. Yes, because we needed a Savior and He came to save us. But we also celebrate the fulfillment of Jesus being born that was the single most amazing prophecy fulfilled in the history of the universe. Because of this, Jesus fulfilled over 350 prophecies in His birth, life, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension to heaven. Jesus Himself did that. And I celebrate because it is worth celebrating even about 2,000 years later since these prophecies came. It means that I can be saved and go to heaven. It means that the mistakes that I have made are washed clean because of Jesus. And you can be made whole as well. The promise of Jesus coming to this earth confirmed more than just the Old Testament prophecies. They fulfilled the promise that Simeon had been waiting on for a very long time. So don't lose hope. Your fulfillment is on the way. Don't lose hope. I can confidently say that because I'm not the one who has to fulfill your promise. And I'm not the one who made the promise. If God has made the promise, be sure that He will fulfill it. I'm not promising you something on God's behalf. That's not my thing to do. I'm telling you that if you know God has done it, if you know God has spoken, trust Him. The truth is, is that He will come true because God is truth. Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at, the ver at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I was talking with our prayer group right beforehand, and I said Anna's 84, and so even in her old age, God used her for amazing things. And Pastor Black said, watch it. Watch it. You said she was in old age and she's 84. I said, listen, not my words, okay? Not my words. This is what God's word says, okay? Verse 36 of the Bible says that she was advanced in years, okay? So we recognize point number three is Anna's praise. Let's understand this about Anna. She was married to her loving husband, but he died. She was married to her loving husband, but he died after only have been married, having been married seven years. It's a short time to be married. I've been married to my wife five and a half. We're coming up on seven. I can't imagine losing my wife after seven years or even now or any time, God forbid. It's a short time to be married, just seven years. And it says that she went to the temple to pray day after day and into the night, and she fasted as well. This is pretty amazing. What I'm led to believe about Anna is that the death of her husband, this is speculation, but this is what I'm thinking, that the death of her husband was tragic. That's what I'm thinking. And she may very well have gone through a crisis in her life. If she didn't go through a crisis, then she went through grief for sure. Because everyone, even if, even if some things come up in life that you don't view as a crisis, 
there's at least grief associated with death, especially one of if it's your spouse. And so let's say that it was a very tragic death. I don't know how it happened. Scripture doesn't say, but she went through an obvious crisis in her life, and that crisis led her to trusting in God to get her through. That's kind of an important piece this morning. She trusted in God to get her through her crisis. In my studies for my master's degree, I'm doing a master's degree in pastoral care and counseling. I've studied a good bit on the effects of crisis on virtually every age group. And here's the golden ticket to anyone who has gone through crisis. You can't do crisis on your own. You cannot. You must cling to God and you must trust in the power of Jesus Christ to lead you through the crisis. And I'm not telling you that the crisis is resolved when you cling to Christ. Rather, I'm telling you that if you want to find a way to cope with your new normal, you need to cling to Christ in the midst of your crisis. You've got to. You've got to. Kafir and Turner are, uh, are authors of a book called Crisis Intervention Verbatim that wrote this. I wanted to share this with you. Quotes on the screen here in just a second. There it is. Crisis situations are totally new, unpredictable, psychologically paralyzing, and they pose a shock to the emotional system. They catch the victim unprepared and lacking a ready response. Let me read it again. Crisis situations are totally new, unpredictable, psychologically paralyzing, and they pose a shock to the emotional system. They catch the victim unprepared and lacking a ready response. Many of us have found ourselves in situations like this. See, the event is not what paralyzes us. The shock of what happens is what paralyzes us. The unpredict unpredictability unpredictability of a specific event is what takes you out. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Anna lost her husband after seven short years of marriage, and she had a crisis here. So as much as I appreciate the scholarly viewpoint of these authors that wrote this quote, I like another perspective a little better from John chapter 16, 33, which mentions Jesus' words, and I quote, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world, says Jesus Christ himself. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Anna recognizes her need for God to help her through her crisis, and she goes to God in prayer and seemingly commits her life to prayer, it's what it said, to prayer and fasting. Amazing. And as she hears about Simeon's prophecy coming to pass, because she was there, Scripture says, when this was happening, she begins to praise God. And then she tells everyone, about the coming Messiah, about the coming of the Messiah, how he had come because he was already born. And shall I mention, she was 84 years old, all right? So let's just say that she got married at 20. You know, back then they got married a little earlier than that. Let's just say 20. So if she got married at 20, then her husband died when she was 27. She had been praying and fasting in the temple for approximately 57 years. Now, if you want to get scholarly on me, that's fine. You can figure in a, a few years for probability's sake. I'll meet you there. So between 50 and 60 years, she was in the temple praying and fasting, give or take. And in this moment, she hears about her Savior, Jesus Christ, being born. She can see Him with her own eyes, and she begins praising God and being a witness for Jesus to everyone who would listen. So let me just talk to my dear friends that are over the age of 65 in this room today. 65 and up crowd. I see you. I know you see me. Unless you have a cataract going in one eye, then you don't quite see me as well. But <laughs> I know you can hear the sound of my voice. But in all seriousness, my 65 and up crowd, I see you and God sees you. 
And if you're still sucking in oxygen every day like we all are, God has a purpose for you. And your purpose might look different now than it did when you were a young whippersnapper like your pastor standing on stage. But the impact that you have has not changed unless you've allowed it to. Your impact in this world that Christ can use you in has not changed unless you allow it to. Now, I'm speaking for all of us under 65 this morning to all of those who are over 65. We need your prayers. We need your stories. We need to hear about your faithfulness, the faithfulness of God that you have seen. We need your care. We need your love. We need your compassion. We need your influence. We need your encouragement. We need your experiences. We need you to take on a grandparent slash parent role with the younger generation and love on us because your job's not done yet. Anna was 84 and she committed to prayer and her influence was of utmost importance in that day because she said yes to God and went and told everybody around her about the coming of the Savior Jesus Christ. She took that upon herself to do it. Now she had an advantage. She saw Jesus with her eyes. Scripture doesn't say she had a cataract in her eye. Scripture said that she saw Jesus and she knew who it was. And then she told other people about Jesus. And although you have not seen him with your very eyes, you have the opportunity to tell other people about Jesus. And it's your choice. Again, your influence and your impact in this world has not changed unless you yourself have allowed it to. Your impact and your influence hasn't changed unless you allow it to. There's an author named Jay Parker that says this. Quotes on the screen here. There it is. Blessed are they who can sing in their old age and turn all their own experience into comfort for those who mourn. Read that again. Blessed are they who can sing in their old age and turn all their own experience into comfort for those who mourn. Surely... We've gone through difficult times. If you can keep that quote up there, thanks. Surely we've gone through difficult times. But that crisis, that situation, that difficulty that you've gone through, blessed are you if you can turn your difficult experiences into comfort for those who mourn. You know, for you to just step into someone else's crisis and say, you know what? I don't know exactly what you're feeling, but I just wish I could take that take that pain of grief off of you, but since I can't, here I stand, and I'm here for you. You don't have to have all the right words, because you're going to mess it up. If you open your mouth sometimes, I do this a lot. If I open my mouth and try and give somebody the comfort that I think they need, I mess it up. One of the biggest things I've learned in crisis intervention, which is a class I just finished, is just be present. Just be there for people who are going through crisis. So as we talked about, those who are 65 and up, be there for us. We need you. Your impact is vital. We need you. You have something that us younger folks don't have, and that's life experience. And you're not supposed to lord that over us, but I believe that God wants you to use it to your influence to be a positive light to all of us so that we can see God's faithfulness in your lives and recognize that God can do what he did for you. He can do the same thing for us. The coming of Jesus was prophesied about for years and years prior to the fulfillment. And the fulfillment came when this beautiful baby boy named Jesus had been born many, many years ago. Simeon prophesied of his coming, and then he celebrated when he was born. 
Anna had been faithful to prayer and fasting in the temple, and she celebrated when Jesus was born. You know, it's an amazing thing. I had a great-grandfather. His name was Bob. My great-grandpa Bob Gitzel, he had a, he had a situation where he had a, a stomach issue. He had um, what, what could have been uh, an, an ulcer or whatever it is. Um, that's what you can get in a stomach, right? There's ulcers. What else do you get in a stomach? What was that? Yeah, hernia. Thank you. It's a hernia. Okay, so he had a hernia, and he was in a lot of pain, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he was going to go into the doctor, but he decided to pray, and things started to feel a little better, and so he just went on with life. I don't know if he thanked God. Maybe he did. I'm not sure. Well, years later, he was in the hospital with some heart issues, and he had to get opened up for some, for some heart surgery, and he did, and the heart surgery went fine, and the doctor told him, after he came out, he said, uh, Bob, have, had, you ever, had you ever had a, a hernia? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I had it years ago. He said, wow, that doctor that did the surgery did a pretty amazing job. I've never seen that type of work done by any physician ever. <laughs> and Bob said, great-grandpa said, well, I never, I never was opened up. He said, I prayed. He said, are you telling me you didn't have surgery? He said that hernia was stitched up in a way I've never seen to perfection like I've never seen in my life. And you know what? He praised God, and of course, we're still praising God to this day for that. And that was just one of many miracles that he witnessed in his life. Um, he was a man of prayer. And God was faithful to take care of that prayer that he prayed and, and healing him of his hernia, and it was all fine. Just amazing. What promises has God spoken to you? I believe God wants to give you a boost in your confidence level today that he will do what he said he will do. I believe with all my heart that God will fulfill his promises to you, not just the ones that he's spoken to your heart, but the ones that he's promised in scripture. Kendra, would you come forward as we close today? Maybe you've been praying for something and you're waiting on God to fulfill that promise. I hear you. God hears you. You're not alone. I hear you. God hears you. You're not alone. Keep praying. Keep trusting God. He's going to be faithful. He already is, and He's going to take care of you. Do, do every, does every prayer of ours get answered exactly in the way that we pray it? No. God sees the bigger picture, and that's what I trust in a lot. Is I, I say, God, I need you to do this, and, and then it doesn't come true the way that I thought it was. I'm like, God, why not? I had a pretty good idea here, and so I prayed about that, and what's the deal, God? You know, God sees things from a way different perspective. You know, I, I see you in this room right now, and God sees all of us, but He has a much different view. I mean, He has the view of the entire universe. He set the universe into motion. And I'm speaking words into motion, of course, you know, that God gave me, and you're, you came to church today, you set your vehicle into motion, and you got here. You walked in, you didn't fall in the snow, thank you, Lord. We salted out there today and made sure you didn't have ice out there. We set some different things in motion, but God has set everything in motion, and He has a different perspective. So what you're praying for today, keep trusting in. Keep trusting in. You know, there's, there's a lot of people I pray for, but there's two people I pray for every day that I've never met. And those two people are my son's wives that they've, of course, not met yet. And I pray every night over my boys, God, would you... 
Just bless Nehemiah as he sleeps tonight. Would you bless Josiah as he sleeps tonight? God, I pray that they would serve you all the days of their lives and into eternity. And God, I take a moment and I pray for Nehemiah's future wife, that you would bless her wherever she is today, that you would protect her, that you would raise her up in an amazing Christian home. And Lord, that you would bring her to Nehemiah at the perfect time. Same with Josiah. God, bring that beautiful girl. God, help them to be beautiful for them, Lord Jesus. (laughs) More importantly, God, more importantly, let them serve you, God. (laughs) Hannah gave me a hard time when I was praying for beautiful wives for our kids. I said, listen, listen. I got a beautiful wife, and I want my boys to have a beautiful wife. Bless the Lord. I know he'll do it. But I'll tell you, I've prayed for my boys that their wives would come. And you know what? Obviously, they're too young for their wives to come yet. But what I will tell you is that I'm going to keep praying, and I'm going to keep praying until the day they marry that beautiful girl, and they see their wife down the aisle, and I'm just going to be a sobbing mess because we've been praying for them for years. Of course. Keep praying for what God has put on your heart. Keep praying. Don't lose sight of what God wants. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins to God, He's faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One promise that came true many years ago was that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this world and provided an opportunity for you and I to be saved and transformed by Him. He is faithful. He is faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The reason He's able to do this is because Jesus died in your place. You were destined to go to hell, and you were on your way to hell, but God made a difference. Each of us were destined to hell, except for the opportunity that we could find in Christ and in Christ alone. This is the joy we find in this Christmas season. Maybe you're an addict to something that has controlled your life. I hear you. I've been there. Maybe you have hate in your heart towards someone. Maybe you have unforgiveness in your heart towards someone. I hear you. I've held grudges before. It's weighed me down. You can be free. I am. You can be free. Maybe you feel that there's more to life than just going through the motions every day. Waking up, making coffee, heading to work. If you've got kids, bring the kids to school, whatever it is. Dropping the kids off, going to work, picking back up the kids, coming home, making dinner, go to bed and repeat. What does that look like for you? I don't know. But if you feel like you're just living this constant cycle through life, there's more to life than that. And his name is Jesus Christ. And you don't have to live a life of boring lull any longer if you feel like you are because God has called you to new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold... The new has come. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Would you bow your heads this morning as we reflect? Just take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes and just think on on this and reflect on what God's speaking to your heart this morning. If you'd like to accept Christ into your heart, would you just simply raise your hand in the air and put it right back down? We're going to give an opportunity to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior this very morning. If you've never done this before and you want to accept Christ, just put your hand in the air and put it back down. We believe in a transformation that only God can do. This is the best decision you will ever make in your entire eternity. And your eternity depends on this. Once again, going to give another opportunity here. If you want to accept Christ, just raise your hand and put it back down. And we're going to pray a prayer together. Would you pray this prayer together as a church and help encourage those who are making this commitment today? Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, Jesus. I confess that I'm a sinner. 
And I need your grace. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. I believe Jesus died on the cross. And rose from the dead. Help me to turn from my sin. And live for you. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For those who made that commitment, your journey doesn't end here. We believe this is the best decision you can make. And what a time to make that commitment during the Christmas season. We're so grateful. We're so grateful for new life in Jesus Christ. As we close this morning, I'd like to just ask our deacons and spouses to come forward as we end with a a time of prayer. We believe it's important to gather around those who are in need of prayer and receive prayer for anything that you might need prayer for and if you feel led to maybe you feel that God is leading you to pray for someone else around you today you're welcome to do that feel free feel free to do that but take these next few moments and have a time of worship and prayer you're also welcome to come forward to the altar and kneel before God in worship maybe you don't want to pray with any one of us and that is just fine the invitation is open to come forward for prayer this morning spend time in your seats worship God come forward to the altars and kneel before him and worship him he is faithful As we close with this time of worship, would everyone stand as we close today? Let's take this opportunity and worship His name and praise His name. Take an opportunity to pray and worship the Lord today. Dear God, help all of us as we go today. Help us to be refreshed in Your Word. Help us to be refreshed in Spirit so that we would go out and be witnesses to others in this world that we live in. It's a difficult world, but we serve a faithful God. Where Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have overcome the world. That's the God that we serve. We stand in line with what your word says, and we believe it with all our hearts. Bless us as we go today. Bring us back here safely on Wednesday for our evening of caroling. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go today. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you on Wednesday, 630. Thank you for listening this week. If this program has been a blessing to you, we hope you will reach out and connect with us online at our website at buysvilleag.org or connect with us on our social media platforms. On Facebook, it's Buysville Assembly of God or on Instagram, it's at Buysville AG. Have a wonderful week.